0: The following sermon was preached during a Sunday morning reunion at Harvest City. For more information about Harvest City Church, please visit our website at harvest.city. My name is Mike and I am one of the elders here at Harvest City. It is a blessing again to be up here getting to share God's word with you uh, for the second week in a row. It's a really special weekend for my family. We have Sherry's brother and his beautiful uh, family here with us this morning. And uh, I want to share that I truthfully did get to marry into one of the most awesome families. I like won the in-law jackpot. Uh, Specifically, my brother-in-law, Anton, is one of my best friends. Uh, He's one of the best uh, guys you'll ever meet. Uh, To give you an idea about Anton, um, like the second you tell him you're moving, he'll be like, when do I need to be there? How long do you need me for? You know, no one likes that, but he's the first one to raise his hand. We pull, up, we pull into the farm uh, you know, at 10 o'clock at night in the dead of winter. The wind is blowing like 30 miles an hour. It's about negative 40-degree wind chill. Anton's the first guy to go outside and get your bags. Like, truly one of the best people, one of my favorite people in the whole world. Uh, also, one of my favorite people in the whole world to beat at basketball and other competitions, like, repeatedly. <laughs> So I I encourage you to talk with him about that after church. (laughs) Um, Hold on a sec. Today we're going to pick up uh, last week from uh, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20. And our sermon title is, The Battle Has Already Been Won. So this week we're going to catch up on the second half of the story that we read last week. And if you weren't here we started talking about this amazing story about the people of Judah and Jehoshaphat, or King Jehoshaphat, rather. And the main message last week was how God forges our faith through fire. He forges our faith through hard circumstances. You see, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat and his people are in a terribly frightful situation. There are three nations that have decided they are going to wage war against them. They are intent on destroying them, and they're just 50 miles away, marching toward them. King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah are completely outnumbered and seemingly without any hope at all. Last week, we saw how King Jehoshaphat responded to this news. He didn't start scheming and planning how his army would defend itself. He didn't start running away but he led his people in a fast before God, and he had everyone bow down and pray to the only one in the world that can save them. He calls out to God and says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. It's a beautiful picture and a beautiful reminder of how our perspective and heart can be completely changed the moment that we fix our eyes on God. What happens next in the story is truly incredible. 2 Chronicles chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you." What an amazing promise. What a clear message that God is sending to the people of Judah. There is no way for mis- no room for misinterpretation for what God is saying here. He is being crystal clear. I want to share a quick, funny story about a moment in my home where there was misinterpretation lately. Um, we were It was a recent Saturday nights. And Sherry and Grace, our daughter, had been at basketball all afternoon and different things with each other. And Gabriel and I had been at basketball for him all afternoon and different things with each other. And we had gotten home, and Grace and uh, Sherry had already eaten dinner. We had not. And what was left in the fridge really didn't sound all that great to me. So I said, Sherry, what do you think if I took Gabriel out to get some food? I do have permission to share the story, just to let you know. Um. And she, uh, Gabriel says, "Yeah, Mom, can we go go out and get food, me and Dad?" And Sherry's like, "Sure. There's lots of food in the fridge, uh, and it'll go to waste. But sure, go get <laughs> yourself some food out." And Gabriel says, "Mom, it can be Dad and Son time. Can can we go have some Dad and Son time?" And Sherry says, "Sure." You know, you've been alone together all day, <laughs> and our family has not been together at all, and here we are, but yeah, go have some dad-son time. And Gabriel, seriously, looks right at me, he goes, dad, she said we can go. <laughs> I was like, oh, buddy, you have got a lot to learn. that is not a yes from mom. Luckily for Judah and King Jehoshaphat, there is no room for misinterpretation. There is no confusion of what God is saying here to the people of Judah as the three nations are bearing down on them to destroy them. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Please pray with me. Jesus, I uh, count it a great honor to speak on uh, your behalf this morning from your word. Uh, I'm not worthy, and um, I'm just so thankful that you can use a wretch like me uh, to communicate how much you love your people and how much uh, how great that you are. Please be glorified. please allow us to hear uh, what you want us to hear this morning and Uh, that people this morning would leave changed, being uh, closer to the God that loves them more than they could ever imagine. Amen. So let's be clear this morning. Nothing has changed in this situation for King Jehoshaphat and his people. Absolutely nothing at all. The enemies of Judah, three warring peoples, are still marching toward them with the intent for complete annihilation. Judah and King Jehoshaphat's people are still outnumbered. They have no place to physically turn. And they face this inevitable prognosis of a certain gruesome death. And the moment is now bearing down on them. The largest weight of the world, I imagine, probably could have been felt on their shoulders, but God. But God communicates them, and he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And it's a reminder that he utters... Time and time again in the Bible, more than 150 times in fact, despite the terrifying realities before the people of Judah, what do they do? Well, verses 18 and 19 say, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohatites and the Koratites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. This leads to lesson number one for all of us this morning, and that is God is worthy of our praise at all times, in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that the first thing we see is a very visible reverence and fear for the God of the universe. They get down on the ground, and they bow their face before him, not saying a single word. They know who they're bowing down before. How easy it is for us to put God in a tiny box that fits our understanding or bends to the flexibility of who we want him to be. As I said last week, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the Bread of Life, the Comforter, the Good Shepherd, our Friend, Emmanuel, Messiah. He is the Prince of Peace, the Light of the World, our Healer, our Provider, our Strength. He is the Most High. He is the I Am. And when he talks to you, the appropriate response is to get down on the ground and to bow your face before him. Next we see... Uh, The people who would have been responsible for uh, public worship stand up and they start to sing praises to God. And the text here says that they said they sang them in a very loud voice. Famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said this They worshiped, but why did they do it? They were not delivered. No, but they were sure they were going to be delivered. Their enemies were not dead. No, they were alive. But they were sure they would be dead, so they had to worship, and their devotion rose from trustful and grateful hearts. What does it look like to worship God with a trustful and grateful heart at all times? Three things come to my mind. There might be more. One is we truly believe that God is who he says he is, and we acknowledge and believe in our heart that that is true. When one really believes the words and promises of God, they cannot help but praise him. Two, we need to love him more than we love ourselves or anyone else in the world. And three, we need to be able to say, not my will, but your will be done, O God. This is a big one. I think for many of of us, myself included, we live in some sort of prison where we think, that our will and our desires for protection or security are actually more important or better than God's will. I believe it's a lie that we believe in our heart that our will is better than His, because the truth is it's not. And I know we might feel like it is, but it's not. Paul says it this way in Philippians 11. He says, "I'm not saying because this. Uh, I'm not saying this because I am in need." for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-footed or hungry, whether living plenty or in want. I can do this through him who gives me strength. Paul is saying you can mock me, starve me, chain me, and beat me. You can criticize me, take all I have, and even kill me. But I have the love of Christ in my heart, and there is nothing this world can do to take away the joy that I have in him. He is saying, all I need is Christ. And when all you need is Christ, you can praise him and worship him in all circumstances. Please hear what I am not saying. I am not saying that if you struggle with depression that you don't love God enough. I'm not saying if you struggle with grief that you simply just need to love God more. That is nonsense. That is hurtful. That is not true. I am saying that through our hurt and through your pain and through the moments that you're struggling with fear or grief, you who are in Christ Jesus have the freedom to say, I love you, God, with all my heart. The Bible shows us this beautiful way of lamenting what we're going through. I'm reading this book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop, and he says, Most biblical laments follow a pattern as God takes grieving people on a journey. This poetic odyssey usually includes four elements. One, an address to God. Two, a complaint. Three, a request. And four, an expression of trust or praise. The Psalms are filled with these types of communications between David and his God. The Bible models for us that in a dark place, we can say to God, I do not understand what I'm going through and I am in so much pain. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this happening? Please take it from me. But no matter what, with all that I am, I worship you and I love you, God. Not my will, but your will be done. Praise you, God. To those who are in Christ Jesus this morning, he promises that he is working all things for the good who love him and are called according to his purpose, period. Let's continue in our story in verses 20 and 21. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Decoah. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Lesson number two today is that it is one thing to profess our faith and it is another to walk it out. Think about how crazy this is. The people of Judah are walking toward a group of three nations that are completely intent on destroying them. And the king is saying to them, hey, we're good, guys. Don't be worried. God's with us. Now, who should I pick to go ahead of us and sing praises to God? That's crazy. King Jehoshaphat is not a perfect king. Later in life, after all this happens, he does make some poor decisions. But in this story, he's such an incredible example for us and how not just to profess our faith, but to walk it out. Consider this. When he heard about the three nations coming to attack, he led courageously by throwing his full weight onto the only one strong enough to carry him. He led his people in fasting and prayer. And in his humility, he said, we do not know what to do, God, but our eyes are fixed on you. In his humility, he said uh, he was the first one to bow his face to the ground after hearing the word of God and that God was going to protect them. Now he is taking the time to pick the right people for worship as they walk toward their enemies who are intent on killing all of them. Listen to this great word from a Bible commentary by David Guzik. He says, As they went out before the army, the singers and the worshipers led the army into this battle. It was clear that Judah expected a battle because they brought the army. Yet it is also clear that they expected a supernatural battle battle because they let the singers and the worshipers go before the army. These worshipers obviously took a dangerous step of faith, If the unthinkable happened and God did not intervene, they would be the first ones slaughtered by a merciless enemy. Here's the reality. Simply professing faith, faith in God can be pretty easy when life is going well, but it's the darkest valleys that shed light on where our faith truly lies. I found this really applicable illustration and inspiration in a newspaper article about Martin Luther King Jr., Four years after delivering his I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. took inventory of the work yet to be done. This was in 1967 amidst a very chaotic country and scene. He gave this speech at the 11th convention of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in Atlanta, and he said, here are a few things. Let let us be dissatisfied until every capital will be housed by a governor who will do justly, who will love mercy, mercy, and who will walk humbly with God. Let us be dissatisfied until that day when nobody will shout white power or black power, but everyone will talk about God's power. Difficult and painful as it is, we must walk on in the days ahead with an audacious hope in the future. This is a man who is not just professing his faith, he is walking it out. He is trusting in God for what is to come, even when it does not make sense. Hebrews 11.1 said, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We certainly see King Jehoshaphat and his people have placed all their eggs in the basket of the one who is unseen. And that leads us to our final lesson. And that is that God responds to those who have faith in him. Verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they only saw dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Don't miss this. The text says very clearly, as they began to worship, the Lord set ambushes. Bible commentary writer David Guzik writes, Just as God had promised, the battle belonged to him, and he won the victory on the behalf of Judah. We might say that it is not their praise that won the battle, battle, rather it was their faith. Their praise was evidence of their faith. There is also something supernatural likely happening here. One commentator says the form of the word ambushes is slightly unusual and really means ambushers. And since it is said that God sent them, some have thought that they must be supernatural agents. Continue with me in verse 25. So Jehoshaphat and his men went off to carry the plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value more than any could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, and they praised the Lord. And this is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had uh, given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets, and the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms, When they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. Not only did they not have to fight this battle, but God gave them more plunder than they could take home. Through their faith, he blessed the people of Judah so abundantly that it was bigger and worth more than they could carry. There is no question who deserves the credit here. It is said that the fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms. And the kingdom of Judah was at peace, for the Lord had given them rest on every side. How awesome is that? I love the Bible so much. uh, I say it every time I'm up here. Every story in the Bible is pointing us to Jesus and our need for him, every single one. Think about the people of Judah and King Jehoshaphat. It is by faith alone that they were protected by God, and it is by faith alone that we here today are healed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the story of the woman uh, who, in the New Testament who had been bleeding for 10 years, and she's up against a crowd of people as Jesus walks through them, and she pushes up herself up against them. She just wants to touch his garment because she knows if she can do that, she can be healed. And when she reaches him, Jesus asks, who has touched me? because he has felt this power leave his body, and the woman falls at his feet, trembling with fear, and he says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And like the people of Judah, no special skill or amount of good deeds could protect them or us from eternal death. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and it's through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone that we are healed and protected. And not only that, but there is a reward that we are given. Our text today says that after the battle uh, the, which the Lord alone had won, it took three days for King Jehoshaphat and his people to collect the plunder. It was a gift to them that they did not earn and they did not deserve it Similarly, it took Jesus three days to rise again after being crucified for the atonement of our sins on the cross. In three days, he took every one of your and my past sins, present and future. He defeated death and Satan, and he rose again so that you and I might have eternal life in him. And we could never comprehend the treasures in heaven that are waiting uh, for us, for those who are saved in Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, our text today talks about how the people of Judah enjoyed rest on every side. Serious question, how much more rest should we have here today, sitting in this room? Guzik points out that we can praise God that Jesus Christ has fought the battle for our salvation and to rescue us from the judgment of God that we so rightly deserved. This makes us more than conquerors in Jesus Christ because he fights the battle and he defeats the foe and we share in the spoil. I'm gonna wrap up today by sharing the end of a personal story that I started last week and offers a very current day, real life look at a family who was asked by God to walk out their faith. And just like the Bible story that we read today, this one is about Judah. So this is a picture of Judah a boy named Judah, and at six weeks old, he was diagnosed with severe congenital neutropenia, a rare bone marrow failure syndrome. And this meant at some point he may develop leukemia. And that's exactly what happened. At two years old, Judah was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. Here's a quote from his mom, Vanessa, during that time. She said, "My vaith- my faith is very strong, but there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that can prepare you for a doctor telling you that your child might not make it out of the pediatric intensive care unit. My mom was there to remind me to lean on my faith and let God handle Judah because in the end, he was the only one that could save him. Does that sound familiar? It reminds me of the words from our story, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. Judah and his family were elated to find out that he had matched with a bone marrow donor overseas, and at a very young age, he received this huge blessing. In one of her blogs, she remarked at that time that God is continuing to chip away at the wall that my flesh wants to build. This is God continuing to pursue us and draw us near to him. He is good, he is in control, and he loves us. So as Sherry and I pressed on in prayer for Judah and his family, uh, they live in New, uh, South Carolina. We were in Iowa at this time, and we were crushed by the weight of what this family was going through. And I'll never forget when their story actually turned worse before it got any better. After a period of remission, Judah's tests began to show very concerning signs. Specifically, they showed his, was, his body was rejecting the transplant that he had received from the donor. Even worse, he was experiencing something called deletion 5 q And what that means is that a chromosome in his body was being deleted, and that meant that cancer had returned to his little body. The family spent their Christmas making plans for January. Judah would spend 100 days in the hospital. He'd receive a new transplant, and he'd have to go uh, under chemotherapy for this cancer. Life was put on hold. Nothing else mattered. So they packed their bags They drove two hours away and set up shop in a hotel room where they knew they would be staying for many months. And the fight, truthfully, didn't look hopeful at all. But like the people of Judah and King Jehoshaphat, the trailers drove out to the hospital and to their first appointment singing praises to God for who he is and what he has done for them through Jesus. They believed that he was speaking to them and asking for them to trust. And they walked out to this battle singing his praises. And at that very first appointment, something miraculous happened. In pre-testing, the doctors found something they could not explain. They didn't understand it because it made absolutely no sense at all. And this chromosome that had started deleting itself was completely repaired. There was absolutely no scientific explanation for this. Genes in Judah's body that were totally messed up in the previous screening Showing signs again that cancer was in his body and that had returned, those genes were completely back to normal. Absolutely no medical intervention had taken place. This does not happen. Instead of spending a hundred days in the hospital with a transplant and chemotherapy, with not much scientific reason for hope for any positive outcome or that this boy would have any type of life beyond that year, Judah was released that day, to go home. He was completely healed. He was cancer-free. His bone marrow transplant was not being rejected. The doctor's advice to them at that moment, I love it, the doctor later said, keep doing what you're doing. What have they been doing? They have been praying. They have been praising God. Judah will celebrate his ninth birthday birthday this month. He's been cancer free for more than six years. And I share this story with you today because this God of the Bible that saved King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah is the same God that without any explanation healed genes and prevented chromosomes from deleting itself from inside this child named Judah. So I don't know what you're going through today, but I know the God who does. And as you leave, please hear this because God works all things for the good and those who love him and are called according to his purpose, we can pray without ceasing, we can trust without hesitation, and we can praise him whenever and no matter what. He loves you more than you can imagine, and he is fighting for your good, which is ultimately his good and his glory. You pray with me. Jesus, we praise you that uh, the God of the Bible is the same God today. You are the same now as you were then, and you are worthy of all our life, and you are worthy of all our praise and all our trust. God, be glorified in this church. Be glorified in the people here. I pray that they would feel your presence with them, that they'd be assured of who you are, that you would grow your faith in them, and that this week It would be reflected in the way that they live life, the way way that they respond to the things around them, and the way that they love the people around them, Lord. We thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.